0: Uh, hi, welcome to Ghostman Radio Station, and tonight my guest is Philippe Bussey. I think I said that right. I think he told me I said it right. If not, it's going to correct me, but it doesn't matter. He's quite he's quite open because he knows that these little things happen. I, I get the same thing now. Who is Philippe? 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 Philippe. He has spent three decades in Silicon Valley as an entrepreneur, a CEO, a venture capitalist, a management consultant. He's a managing partner at Blue Dots Partners, LLC, a firm he co-founded focused on top-line acceleration. He started to create as a founder and CEO of G2I Inc., a Unix software company which was acquired by Matra. I don't know what Matra is, sorry. He, he, he was in senior vice president at Matra Hatch, Hatchret Multimedia Incorporated where he led U.S. business development for publishing, the 12 billion high-tech and diversity media company, before joining Apple as director of the worldwide Internet Commerce Group, where he founded and managed the online Apple Store and grew its revenue from zero to 30 350 million. After Apple, Philip became a venture capitalist and successfully invested $43 million and generally double-digit cash on, cash on IRR for over half a decade. He also co-managed the Milestone Group, a management consulting firm serving over serving over 220 clients. During his career, he led over 220 management consulting projects with companies such as Cisco, Microsoft, SAP, Visassign, and served as a board of directors of 20 companies, including ACG, Association of Corporate Growth, Silicon Valley, where he company serves. He graduated from Ecole Nomelle Supreme in Paris. I probably had said that wrong. Yes. And holds a PhD yeah. in mathematics, and MS in physics, and a M- H- PhD in in non linear physics and chaos theory. Apart from that, he, he's just a guest. <laughs> now, Philippe, tell me a little bit about your a little bit about your background, because I think it obviously this inspired your book a great deal. Yes,
1: thank you, and thank you for inviting me on your great show. Um, I have um, I have been in Silicon Valley for thirty one years. I am from France originally Although we moved a lot, my dad was in the military, so I was born in Germany, and then we moved a lot. Um, But I came to the U.S. because I had a passion for software, um, and uh, I thought that the only place to be on the planet if you really are in love with software like I was, you know, was Silicon Valley, there was simply no other place. Um, So I studied here, I I actually studied a a software company which got acquired by our largest customer, Matra, as you mentioned uh, in the introduction. Um, And then Matra actually merged with Hachette, which was the largest publishing company in the world. And I I ran business development for electronic publishing for Hachette, really helping them move from a paper-based business, you know, magazines and books into electronic publishing and online. Um, And I negotiated a bunch of deals, and one of them was with Apple. And uh, the guy at Apple, you know, one day came to me and said, I like you, why don't you come and work for me here at Apple? Uh, which I did, um, and then there at Apple, I actually studied the internet commerce. I came to the CEO of Apple, Michael Spindler, at the time, and I told him that we needed to sell direct over the internet, which back in those days you know, was not a thing that Apple would do or just selling to retailers and distributors. Um, anyway, um, Michael didn't like the idea much. Gil was the CEO after. He didn't like the idea too much until we bought Next, and then I met with Steve Jobs. And uh, within five minutes, Steve understood how important, you know, the internet commerce channel would be, uh, gave me his blessing, and then I launched it, managed it to $350 million, as you pointed out. And today, it's about $25 billion for Apple, so it's it's a massive channel. It's a very important channel to generate revenue and sell products and move products. Um, and then after Apple, I went to the VC world, uh, venture capital. I um, We invested in seed and early-stage deals. Um, Mainly high tech and mainly here in Silicon Valley. Um, and then I moved into consulting and management consulting um, with the Milestone Group that was focused on uh, very large companies, helping them optimize their channel. So we had Microsoft, Cisco, Intel, SAP as uh, clients. And then I studied Blue Dots about seven years ago now, and we're focusing on helping companies uh, who have at least $10 million in revenue up to about a billion, and we help them grow faster using these very unique
0: that i described in my book and today obviously we're talking about i presume this is your latest book that you published
1: yes the book was published in february of
0: last year 2020 and it's called aligning the dots the new paradigm to grow any business i like the bit where it starts off i'll just read a little bit there it's eight o'clock monday morning what do you do to outpace the market and grow faster and your competitors, so you by landing your dots, provides a clear answer to the deceptively simple answer. So you sort of giving us an outline of what you're going to do to evolve in the book before we begin to read it. I mean, I'm not a thoroughly business person, that some of it goes over my head. I admit that I'm not going to lie about that. But if you put it in, in simple terms, and you know, not obviously too simple, but enough for that people that the common laymen can understand what's going on. I think that helps a lot.
1: Yeah. so the the, uh, the big, and, and this is not only about growing businesses and growing revenue. This is really about being successful in selling something, whether you sell a product or service, or just an idea, or, or yourself if you're trying to find a job. Those those principles that I describe in the book are applied in exactly the same way so the idea is that the big insight I had back in 2014 was that if you want to be successful you really have to be aligned with your market it's fundamentally an alignment challenge the same way if you take a mechanical watch that has many moving pieces if those gears are not perfectly aligned inside then the watch will start to slow down and eventually stop ticking and if a business doesn't align itself with this target market, then it will slow down, become irrelevant, and eventually die. So it's all about alignment. Success cannot happen without a good alignment between the business and the market, and the, market the business is targeting, or between you and your ID and whoever you're trying to sell it to, if that's the case. And I realized that there are four universal axes of alignment, and they are truly universal. So I can take, you know, a cafe on the left bank in Paris. I can take, take a startup here in Silicon Valley. I can take Tesla, which is just a few miles from where I am here in Silicon Valley. Or I can take Boeing or Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's. It doesn't matter. Those four principles are applied in the exact same way. And let me describe them to you quickly. The first one is that the pain that the customer has and the claim that the business makes have to be aligned. So let's say you come to me with a headache, and I give you, I give you a stomachache peel, well, you will never buy my peel, because your pain is your head, not your stomach. That's the first alignment. The second one is that the message, which is the expression of the claim, and the perception, which is the understanding of what the business wants to sell me, those two things have to be aligned. So imagine now I have a peel for your headache, uh, it takes 10 minutes to solve, and... Um, I describe it to you in Korean, and I'm assuming you don't speak Korean, then you would never buy the pill because you're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? So that's the second alignment. The third one is the way the product is sold in the marketplace and the way customers want to buy that product, those two things have to be aligned. So if I tell you, well, you have to come here in Silicon Valley to get my, my PL, you're going to say, what I mean, there's a pharmacy just where I live. Why can't I just walk there and buy the pill? And then the fourth alignment is my favorite one because I stole it out of the Apple Playbook. There's a few lessons I learned working directly for Steve Jobs. But one of them was that I realized that there is one and only one business on this entire planet. And that unique business is the manufacturing and delivery of delight. When you buy a product or a service, you have a certain delight expectation in your head. As you consume that product or service, that expectation has to be met. So there has to be an alignment between what you expect and what's delivered. So the four alignments are the pain and the claim have to be aligned, the message and the perception have to be aligned, the purchase and the sale have to be aligned, and finally the delight and the delivery of the offering have to be aligned. And if you perfectly align your business with your target market along those four dimensions, then you will be successful and you will grow your business as much as you can within
0: What results does this new paradigm to to help grow any business deliver?
1: Well, the new paradigm is to think about growth differently. I have been on 20 boards of directors and it is very common for the board and the management team to say, well, we're not growing fast enough, we're not generating enough revenue because we don't have a good sales team or we need to fire the head of sales, or we don't have good leads, or we don't have the right feature or competitive competition is cutting the price in a way that we can sustain. And all those tactics are really working. And that's because they are based on emotion, rather than data. So the alignment idea is that if you can measure how well you align along each of those four axes, then you start to understand and have insights on the market and where you misaligned. And based on that insight that you can start to build an action plan, we call that the growth playbook, which you know is a plan that basically tells you what to do on Monday morning at 8 o'clock to start growing your business. So the new paradigm is to think about those four alignments, not think in the traditional way of sales and marketing and product, and then realize better alignment uh, based on the data and the, Understanding of what the misalignments
0: are. Why, why, it, why the topic of growth? Why? What, what's important about the topic of growth? Because if you don't grow
1: in business, you die. So growth is the only way that I know to create real value. If you are not growing faster than your market, then your competition is growing faster. They are taking market share And you're on the path to becoming relevant as a business. So you have to grow. You have no choice. Now, there are many, many businesses. I call them type B in the book. Who actually don't need to grow and they can grow. So, for example, if you're a dentist, well, you cannot double your revenue because that means you would have to have twice as many customers where you can because you only take a certain number of customers every day or patients every day. So there is a a very structural limit to the fact that you cannot grow as a business. Those businesses are not supposed to create sustainable shareholder value. There are no shareholders, so it doesn't matter. So those businesses, by the way, are really important contribution to the U.S. economy and, and, and same in Europe and Asia. And those are not concerned by growth. And so the book really doesn't apply to those businesses. So I recognize that. Many, many other businesses have shareholders and investors and boards of directors. Those companies have to grow. They have no choice. If they don't grow, they become irrelevant and they die. So, growth is really absolutely critical. It's a matter of survival for those companies, and that's why I focused on the topic.
0: Do you think that the traditional ways that we think of, of growing a company are more outdated now?
1: Yeah, I think the traditional world at how do we solve the challenge of growth just doesn't work and it doesn't work because again it's not it's not based on a very clear data-driven understanding of what's limiting our growth and so people make hypotheses and, and they have some ideas but there is nothing to validate those ideas so they make plans based on those ideas which in many cases are not really the core reason why they are not growing, and therefore um, I think the traditional way of looking at growth is just not working. It's just, it's just, it just doesn't deliver good results.
0: Well, I think I'm going to ask a two-part question here, if you don't mind. Sure. What is, um, is counterintuitive about your new paradigm, and what do you think people would be surprised about it? So say they've come across a new idea, they've read your book and they're going, oh, I must change how I'm going to completely do something from now on.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's two answers, two components to, the, to answering that question. One is that when I describe this idea of alignment, it's actually very common sense. It makes total sense. People get it. There's an intuition that, I'm misaligned with my market I'm not going to grow as fast as I can so in a way there is a beautiful simplicity in that model because you can look at the growth equation through those four dimensions that are independent and I think what's counterintuitive is that they are truly independent in other words I can fix the messaging which is the second alignment the message versus the perception without having to Break anything else in the company without having to touch any of the other three axes. And then I think the other counterintuitive part is that you can actually measure the coefficient of alignment from zero to 100% along each of those four axes. And we've developed some tools, and in fact, some of the tools are described in the book. So it's a very data driven approach. It's not emotion, it's measurement, data, insights, analytics. And suddenly you make decisions based on those measurements and those metrics. You don't make a decision because you tried something as in another company that worked and you think it's going to work again in the same way. Companies are like children. What hap- what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the next one. So you have to be very careful. And I think that's what's counterintuitive about this approach.
0: Well, I, think, I always think when I talk to lots of business people with their ideas, I think that... They, People just think it's a business idea, but I think you can apply it to your life as well. You can. That's exactly right. And, and I think people don't, they go, what do you mean? I say, well, look, if you actually think about it and you think, oh, you're going to start off a, a, say, a podcast, say, for answer, and you want to aim it at an audience. So you've got to line your audience up with what you think they like. I mean, you can't guarantee anything in life, but. If you align it and you know you're getting a good response because people are listening more to that, what you're putting on, so you're thinking, well, align it to that product because that seems to be what they like. Yeah, I think that's a
1: very good observation. So I wrote the book in the context of business because that's what I'm doing here. Um, But it's really not about growth. It's about success. We all sell things and ideas all the time, we may not realize that. Uh, if I try to find a soulmate, I'm going to try to sell myself to that person. If I try to find a job and land somewhere, I'm going to sell, you know, my, you know, my ability to do a good job and the, the fact that it's a good fit and a good culture. Um, if I try to convince my kid to go to a college versus another one, I'm actually trying to sell something to, to my kid. So as long as there is a sale and it doesn't doesn't need to be a monetary transaction but as long as there is a sale the four principles of alignment apply. so I will give you an example let's say I'm interviewing for a job at um, at Apple well the first thing I need to make sure is that the pain and the claim are aligned so Apple has a pain they are looking for somebody to do a certain task my claim is that I can do that task I have the skill set I have the character I'm the right person well those two things have to be aligned and you can go uh, over the three other axes and you realize that you need to align yourself along those four axes if you want to be successful and if you want a transaction to happen, which is, you know, Apple decided to hire you. Again, it may not be a financial transaction, but there is a transaction. So you're absolutely right. Those principles are way beyond just growth and businesses. And I think as long as you're trying to sell something, which we all do all the time, constantly then you may want to think about those four axes and say and ask yourself which of those one uh, I am not perfectly aligned and what can I do to be better aligned and if you are, you'll be more successful.
0: Can you give me an example of a bad and a good alignment?
1: Yeah, so a bad alignment is uh, Theranos, uh, I don't know if you heard about this company, it was a very high-flying Silicon Valley based company that uh, promised to do blood tests in using one drop of blood so you just have to prick your finger and they were they were claiming they would conduct over 200 tests based on that one drop of blood so you don't need to stick a needle in somebody's vein anymore um that company was you know elizabeth holmes was the founder and everybody back in 2010, 2012, was telling that she will be the next Steve jobs. It was such a brilliant idea. So the pain of the customer, which is I don't want a needle to be stuck in my arm. Yeah, I'd rather prick my, you know, my finger to get a blood drop. That pain was very clear. The problem is that the claim, which is we're gonna be able to run 200 tests, you know, of one drop of blood, didn't work. And in fact, um, there was fraud And Elizabeth Holmes, the founder um, who came out of Stanford, is actually on trial, and in fact jury selection just started yesterday on Tuesday. Um, And so that's a very good example of a massive misalignment along the first axis, which is the pain of the customer and the claim the company was making. Um, Let me give you an example of a good alignment now. Um, If you think of, um, for example, Apple, in a way, is very well aligned. So if I look at the third axis of alignment, which is purchase versus sale, if you go to an Apple store in London and you buy a product, they actually follow what I call the reverse movement, which is goods and services are coming to you as opposed to you having to go to them. So if you buy a product, the product comes to you, the, the, the salesperson in the store will actually get the product on the back of the store and bring it to you. You don't have to take it from somewhere. And then that person actually brings the cash register with him as well. So you just stay where you are, you give your credit card, they transact right there, the printer receipt, they give it to you. You don't go and stand in a line in a cash register, you know, to pay. So everything is reverse. So the way you purchase is a very frictionless transaction as opposed to going into a traditional store where you have to find a product, pick it off the shelf, stand in line, pay, get your credit card out, and get out. So that's an example of a really good alignment along the third axis, purchase versus sale, um, that Apple has actually.
0: Really- Would you say your audience for your book is broader than just business?
1: Yeah, I think again, as I said earlier, anybody who has who is selling something like an idea should Look at the book and, and, and understand you know those four axes of alignment because that's
0: how they will be successful. And obviously, because we're in COVID at the moment, has it affected your teachings in any way? For, uh, as it, it like because of businesses have to rethink how they do things.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, is your question is COVID? Is COVID forcing the businesses to change and adapt? Is that, is that
0: yeah your answer? Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, the answer is clearly yes. I mean, businesses had to adopt technology and digital at a much faster pace because of COVID, because suddenly they couldn't have their employees and their customers meet face to face. So they scrambled for a few months, you know, back in March, April, May of last year. But I think now people have figured out figured out where to have meetings without meeting face to face and transact without meeting face to face. So I believe that COVID has accelerated the adoption of digital technologies and digital communications at a much faster pace uh, compared to the situation if we didn't have COVID. So I think that's a silver lining of COVID. Uh, you know, of course, you know nobody wants a COVID, you know, anymore, and people want it to be over. Um, but I think a lot of businesses had to reinvent the way they communicate, the way they conduct business. And I think that's
0: very positive. I'm just going on, on to your little web uh, website. Hmm. Blue, blue dot partners com. Blue dot com. Yeah, it's
1: blue dots with an S. Blue dots partners dot com. That's
0: yeah. correct. I thought I'd mention it because, I mean, I like websites. Because you get lots of bit of little bits of information that you wouldn't normally associate. Like You've got good blog posts. You've got categories from A2. You mentioned the, the, the word Brexit, but we won't go there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we're actually doing a TV series uh, that we just announced. It will be launched in the fall. Uh, it's called The Alignment Zone. And in fact, there is a teaser on the website, uh, on the homepage. Um, and the idea is to uh, interview a CEO of a company and go through the four axes of alignment and in real time give advice and understand what they are misaligned based on the discussion and give them advice and say those are the things you should do. And then we would reinvite the CEO six or nine months later to figure out whether they've done any things and what impact they had on their business. Um, that's a good so that's idea. I like that. Crazy. I like that
0: idea. Yeah.
1: Well, actually. Two weeks ago, and we're now doing the editing, and so we're working on that again. It's called the alignment zone. Um,
0: is that going to be on a, a channel that is easy to access?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be on. It's going to be on YouTube, and it's going to be on our website. Uh, it's going to be distributed by the C Suite Network, which is a company in New York um, that has access to about a million uh, executive and business people and entrepreneurs. Um, and so we're we're very much excited about it and looking forward to
0: it. I think, I think that's a good challenge as well, because then you can test your, your, the, the theories that you've really worked out in, on your, in your head, and you know that work, but obviously doing it in a live environment, people will be going, oh yeah, he did change the way he did things, yeah, I can see where he's going now. Yeah, yeah. Why did you call it blue dots for any particular reason? Well,
1: there is a. It's a good question. Able to see? I'm going to show you a picture. I
0: was looking at this. Can you see it? I just. Uh, I just. Give me camera. Anyway, it
1: yeah. it's, it's a mechanical watch. It's a Philip Philip Patek. Um, and those watches are quite remarkable. They they uh, the gears actually inside move a lot. So. There is a wheel that oscillates like this. I'm sure you've probably seen that in a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the balance
1: wheel. And it oscillates 28,800 times per hour. And if you look at all the moving gears and you multiply their frequency and you calculate how much they move over two years, you can calculate that they move one billion times. It's billion with a B. So you have a watch like this, it works for 20 years, it moves 10 billion times, and it works flawlessly, and it's quite remarkable. And so I asked myself, I said, well, how come it's working so well? And there are two reasons. One is the mechanical design, and the second one is the thing that's called a jewel bearing, which is a little piece of stone, it's sapphire, typically. And it holds the gear between the two plates of the watch. And without them, the alignment would not be realized and not be maintained. And so the gears would start to be misaligned, and then it would slow down and eventually stop ticking. And those jewel bearings were actually invented by two Brits back in 1704. They actually received a patent for their brilliant invention. And they are really, again, they are really critical.
0: Without them, the watch would simply not work. It's strange how people always think about the bigger things, but it's like like you know, from any company that you worked on in, it doesn't matter if you're the highest of the bosses, without the mini, the, like the lowest worker done in the, the post office part, posting the letters, they, without them, yeah. it doesn't work. It, all, they all right. interconnect.
1: That's exactly right. Right. So it turns out that in this particular watch, the, the jewel bearings are actually blue, which is very rare. I've never seen a watch with blue jewel bearings Um and so I called Patek Philippe in Switzerland in Geneva, and I asked them, I said, well, why are they blue? And they said, well, it was a special anniversary watch, so we decided to have them in blue. But typically they are red or yellow. Um, and, and if you look at the picture, they are like little blue dots, and that's really, and they are critical to the alignment, and that's how we got the name for the firm.
0: Very appropriate name, and very, very clever. <laughs> Thank you. Um, have you got anything else in the pipeline at the moment, bar the television journal? Have you got anything else in the pipeline at the moment about the television show? Uh,
1: in terms of, in terms
0: of, those are you doing so another book, or eventually, yeah, hope, yeah. hopefully, when the world opens up, doing a bit of touring? Yeah. So I, I, so we are, we are. So
1: first of all, I'm doing more and more speaking engagements. So, for example, there's a conference uh, next Friday. Uh, which is in proxy in Utah, um, organized by the 10x CEO organization, and I'm going to give a talk about the topic uh, of alignment and the topic of growth that we discussed uh, now. Um, there is the book that was just published last year, and then uh, this TV series I mentioned, aligning, uh, the Alignment Zone, and then I'm also I'm also scheduled to do a TED talk that will happen uh, probably next summer on the topic of talk, on the topic of alignment and the book. Um, Thing, you know I am I am doing all this to educate people to really open people's eyes to the idea that there is a new way to think about growth and to think about what how you can be successful and so my goal is not to sell five million books my goal is to give this idea and put this idea in people's heads so that they can start to think about it completely differently compared to the traditional way as we talked about
0: earlier so well, I think it's a very good idea with the way you've explained it. I'm definitely going to look, look more into how I would align with different groups, and different, you know, try something and say, oh, that might align with that group, so I can appeal to that group as well. So open up a little bit to the, to the twenty to 30s, trying to get to the 40s and 50s, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it would give you
1: new lenses to look through and examine your business or your ideas and. Will look at it differently
0: you will have a different perspective and that's what i'm trying to do well i think i think that's the even if you like me i do it for a little i, I enjoy doing it but you, you have to sort of treat it as a business even if you're doing it as a hobby because if you don't yeah, treat no, it okay. as a business you like because you've got to be your own promoter your own publisher You've got to put every, social media... You've got to be everything. You've got to be your own boss, basically. So you've got to kick yourself up the bum now and again to do things. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's exactly... That's,
1: that's very true.
0: I think that's the bit that people don't realise. I think they think people say, Oh, yeah, but it, 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 you do this and that. And they say, yeah, but I may produce a lot because I like doing it. Some people just do one episode a week or two episodes a week or whatever. But I just like doing content and hopefully other people like it. I've always had that attitude of if I like it, I'm pretty sure someone else will.
1: That's right. But you still have to communicate it. You still have to sell and transact. You still have to make sure that your auditors are delighted and all that. I mean, all those principles still apply and the fact you have a passion for it is really important and, and, and great. Um, but a passion in itself is not enough. You have to execute and, and be
0: successful. Especially competing in a very big world yeah, <laughs> with a very small fish. <laughs> yep. Very true. Uh, please mention anything you like where people can buy your book and your website or anything else you would like to mention. Well, so the
1: book is called Landing the Dots. Um, they can buy the book on Amazon. It's distributed. Check out our website, which is bluedotspartners.com. They can also go to www.liningthedots. That will talk a little bit more about the books, about the book, um, and people can connect with me on LinkedIn if they are interested in connecting. The best way is go on our website or just connect on LinkedIn, and um, and I'm happy to connect with people and share those ideas and, and try to change the world a little, you know, a little bit at a time.
0: This is the bit. Did you, that I always ask the guests the following question. What is your unique sign-off? My unique what, sorry? Sign-off. How would you like to end the show?
1: I, I want to encourage people who have ideas, who have a passion, a passion who have, who want to do something to just do it, you know, just go for it, try to align yourself, you know, along those four axes. Um, but... I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've failed many, many times. I've been successful a few times, and most of the time by luck, I would say. Uh, so, you know, I am humbled and I am blessed. And I want to encourage people to do things. And failure is the best teacher. You know, you cannot learn if you don't fail. So they shouldn't be discouraged. They shouldn't be negatively impacted. Um, they should keep trying, and they'll be successful and they'll find their way. And that would be
0: and here's mine for you, Philip. Today I talked to Philip. I We together were lining the dots. And talking of lining the dots, why not take out these The Lining the dots, the new paradigm to grow any business, which is available on Amazon and other various sites. We talked about how this alignment will affect business, but it doesn't affect just business. You can try it in your life. Because we always need new ideas to develop. And there's nothing wrong with trying it. You may think, it's like any new skill you learn. Like when you learn to skip. First of all, it's not very good. And then you work up. So if you try all these skill sets, and you do what Philip has said, hey, no, you may learn more. Please check out your television show when it's unavailable on YouTube. Please go out and read your book. And if he's available and you see him speaking somewhere, just go up to go, Hi, Phil. I listen to you on the Ghostbuck Radio Show. It's really cool, man. And that is that.